Hi, I'm Stephen Mansfield, and this is your 15. The question for our 15 minutes together is, how has God made you for your destiny? How have you been created for destiny? In an earlier 15, we talked about what destiny is. That destiny is rooted in the fact that God has made everything for himself, and he's given everything purposes uh, that will be fulfilled in him, that glorify him, that allow his will on earth to be done. So every person, uh, every, every, uh, every tribe, every, every city, every nation, all have a destiny, all have a purpose according to Scripture. But let's just keep it focused on the individual. Let's keep it focused on you, on me, on human beings. All of us have a destiny. All of us have a purpose. And we saw in that other 15 where we talked about destiny uh, that God determines those things in advance, that before the creation of the world, what the Bible just refers to generically as in advance, uh, God determined things about us that then are fulfilled uh, throughout our lifetime. And of course, he also determined aspects of our giftings and our personalities. And we said, and we'll talk about it more today, uh, that some of the things we think are odd about ourselves are really part of the destinies uh, that God has set upon our lives. So let's talk about personal destiny a little bit. How did God create our, our destiny and make us suited for destiny? Well, the Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 5, that before we were even conceived in the womb, before our parents even conceived us, that he set a purpose for our lives. Now, the specific reference in Jeremiah 1.5 is to Jeremiah, but this is said so much throughout the Bible, it's just obvious it's true of all of us. Paul says that it, Galatians 1, and elsewhere it's said of us as well, that God has set, even before we were conceived, a purpose, uh, a, a, not just a general kind of uh, purpose for our lives, but, but specific purposes. In Jeremiah's case, it was that he would speak as a prophet to a nation. He had to, God determined that before he was uh, even conceived. Then what's exciting is that the purpose comes first, and then the Bible makes it clear that once we're conceived, while we're in the womb, God is determining things about us based on our purpose. They're not an afterthought. The way we look uh, our basic personalities are bent, as the Bible calls it, the way we're, we tend to lean in terms of tastes and desires, you know, the righteous kind. Um, the, all those things are sort of determined or set at that time. So the, so the purpose comes first. And then in the womb, the Bible says that our soul, it uses two separate Hebrew words, our souls and our bodies are determined based on that purpose. We're fashioned, we're woven together in the womb. Now, we live in a scientific age and we tend to talk, uh, just speak in scientific terms, and so we talk about periods of gestation and you know, when the fetus is viable, and we use all that technical language, and that's fine. We're certainly not anti-scientific. But I like the fact that the Bible speaks poetically of God's involvement in that process that, of course, science can't see in a microscope or arthroscopically, and what it tells us is that we're being woven in the womb. Now, once we're, and by the way, Psalm 139 says that our days are numbered before one of them was lived. I mean, it really just shows us that God has determined the significant things about our lives, okay? Then we're born. Well, we're born into a sinful, fallen world, right? We're, 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 we're born into a world that is, uh, is where the, enemy, the devil is operating and where people are ignorant of what we're made for and uh, there's not so often the love and the concern and the care and the knowledge that's needed. And so almost, for most of us, as soon as we're born, our purpose begins to be deformed. Uh, we don't really know that we're born with a divine destiny. We don't really know that those unique things about our personality are uh, God-given things. 
And I'm sure many of you have lived the kind of life that I did. I was born to non-Christian parents. They weren't really of any serious religion. I was raised in the military. We went to military chapels, but it was sort of a, a perfunctory thing, kind of a duty thing. Um, my parents were good people, but still there were the hurtful words, and there was the you know not my, you know typical situation of a military father not getting his son, my unique wiring, and all of that, and and uh, and then of course I made my own sinful choices, did foolish things, and you know all the kinds of things that we tend to do in this world, where all of that marred and deformed uh, the sense of purpose that I should have had burning in my soul. And of course, you go through life, you accumulate wounds. People reject you. Coaches speak harsh, harsh things to you. You fail at some things. You have a kind of a coding worked into your soul from the harsh things that happen in the world. And rather than believing as you should, based on the scriptures and based on God's will, that you're made for something magnificent and, and you know, you're really striving to take hold of that, what are the lessons that are pressed into your soul? I'm, I'm stupid. I'm, I'm goofy looking. I'm not, I'm not worth anything. I never can get it right. I'm not very smart. You know, I never, uh, when they were passing out brains in heaven, you know, we say humorously, I must have been, you know, I must have been absent or something. And so before long, we begin to absorb exactly the opposite kind of messages from the world and from our, our life experience than what God wants us to understand. Well, the great news is that when we become believers in Jesus Christ, as we've said in another 15, the grand restoration begins. God uh, removes the control of the enemy, of the devil in our lives, and fills us with the Holy Spirit. And, and he breaks the power of sin in our lives. And he begins a process of renewing our minds through the scriptures. And, and he begins washing us on the inside by the water of the word. And, and he, hopefully we're, we're in good churches where there are pastors who are really the book of the first second Corinthians describe pastors and Christian leaders more like coaches who have authority to build us up, not to tear us down. And they're developing us in our calling, just like a, just like a coach in a, in a sports team develops the players to be better players. And now we begin to fulfill our function. We begin to understand some things about ourselves. We begin to understand that uh, we have certain gifts. Uh, there are a whole lot of gifts mentioned in the New Testament, you know, from generosity to helps to teaching to prophecy to evangelism, just many, many, many. Um, and, and we begin to understand, ah, I'm, I'm wired this certain way. I have these certain uh, particular gifts. And, and we begin to understand how our personality feeds into that. We begin to understand maybe even about how our, our bodies and the way we are, the way we move, the way we look, uh, feed into that. And so this is the wonderful journey of beginning to uh, live out the destiny that God has ordained for us from before the creation of the world. Isn't it exciting to know that we as we live in this world, we're not just making it up as we go along. You know, as I live this 24-hour period that I'm in right now, as I'm in front of this camera, I'm living another day that, walk, that, that fulfills and advances my destiny because I'm pursuing Jesus and pursuing the purposes for my life. That's exciting. Rather than thinking, oh gosh, I don't, the future is unknown and dark and I'm not sure what's gonna happen and anything could happen. Well, you know, I understand why people would, as the Bible says, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. I understand why people stay high or drunk or, you know, 24-7 in front of cable porn or something like that because they're just trying to deaden the pain of a fearful future. But we don't live that way. We live in terms of destiny. We live in terms of Jesus. And that's what the great biblical message of destiny teaches us. Now, there are a few things we ought to know about our destiny. The Bible says in Romans 8 that one of the things that everyone who comes to Jesus is destined for is to be conformed to his image. We're, be, if, we're destined to be made like him. 
and it's be in being like him. This is one of the great mysteries of the Christian faith. It's in becoming more like Jesus that we become more who we are. I know that's odd. It sounds like we would have to completely erase ourselves and become like this other person, Jesus Christ. But one of the great mysteries of Christianity is that the more we are conformed to his image, the more we move towards what we were destined to be and what, who we are uniquely. It's, it's a mystery, and I'm not going to be able to explain it to you uh, here now, that the more you become like him, the more unique you you become. You see, it's the sin and the dead stuff that we gave our lives to that deformed us. Um, I was less Stephen when I was drinking, or I was you know, sleeping around, or I was stealing things, or I was beating people up. I, have, I have a very, had a very violent past or whatever I was doing, lying and cussing and being vain and all those things. Now, I still have sins in my life and still have to battle for righteousness. That never goes away. But at least those things don't dominate me. Those were the impersonalizing forces. Those were the forces that, that made me less who I am. The more I grow to become like Jesus, the more I become who I really am. And the great news is, according to Romans 8, that we are all destined to be conformed to his image. So if you're watching this and you haven't even given your life to Jesus yet, understand that you're not going to become who you're made to be until you give your life to Jesus. And then you start the process of, it's as though you activate the tractor beam of the Holy Spirit in drawing you towards the nature of Jesus. It changes you. It empowers you. It makes you more who you are. Uh, and, and it also, by the way, frees you from the burden of self and allows you to live for God in powerful and wonderful ways. There's another scripture that's, that's very exciting, and this is the second thing we should know about destiny. In addition to all the unique things that you are made to be, there are also unique things that God has destined for you to do. And in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, it says that there are works God prepared in advance for us to do. In fact, before it says those exact words, uh, there's, a, there's a wonderful little play in the Greek it says that we are God's workmanship. Well, the Greek word for that is poema. It actually is saying we are God's poem or we are God's work of art. Uh, sometimes the Greek that the New Testament was written in is more pregnant with meaning than is the English, and it's fun to look those words up. So what that verse is saying in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10 is that we are God's poem, God's carefully crafted work of art, and that he has prepared works in advance for us to do. And then there's this little tag at the end of the sentence, so that we can walk into them, so that we can walk right up to them and, and, and do them. What this means is that God has not only uh, set a personality for you and determined wonderful things about who you are and made you glorious, and he's trying to grow you into that and free you from all the garbage that tends to diminish who we are, and like smut over a picture keeps the image of our true self coming out. But, and, and not only has he determined that we should be conformed to his image, but he's also determined things for us to do. That's exciting. There are things that God has ordained for us to do. What are those things? Well, I don't know. I don't know what they are for you. Um, for me, they could be, you know, we, we probably won't know fully until heaven, but uh, I think it's everything from the person you just happen to sit next to on the airplane and have a powerful conversation that changes lives to maybe in my case as a teacher, you know, maybe certain world leaders I might meet and impact, or people I might teach, or, or, or kids I might uh, impact when I'm coaching. Or, you, you don't know what it is. It could be this moment right here in front of this camera, and maybe one of you is sitting in a lunchroom somewhere in the world, and, and this is a destined work. We, we don't know because we, we see through a glass darkly in this life. But the exciting news is that there are, wor there are works for you to do. 
And it's funny, one of the things that uh, some of the surveys show is that many people in the world are bored. They're just bored. Well, I'll tell you what, fulfilling destiny is the opposite of boredom. You get up every day knowing that God has ordained works for you to do. The word works just means, let's just say for this purpose here, it just means stuff you can do, stuff that God's ordained, opportunities, crossroads, divine moments, uh, things, things that are meant to happen. And uh, it's exciting to know that you're, that you're walking that out. Um, there, there are some, uh, some other powerful, powerful things about destiny that we will talk about in future 15s. But one of the points that I want to make to you is that uh, there is a moment in a life, uh, particularly the Christian life, when you begin to understand that you are called with a destiny, that there's a destiny upon your life, as Christians tend to say, or we use that language, he has a destiny, or he's got real destiny on him, is kind of way some people speak. When you begin to understand that God has made you for a purpose, and when you uh, submit to a process of the Holy Spirit shaping you for a destiny, now, now, don't take what I'm about to say in some legalistic sense. You, you go from being a believer to also being a disciple. Let me explain what I mean. When you become a Christian, you become a Christian because you believe certain things and you commit yourself to certain things. I believe that Jesus Christ is raised from the dead. I believe he died for the sins of the world. I, I believe he's Lord and I give my life radically and fully to him. You believe those things. Then you start growing as a Christian. You start being taught the scriptures, you learn what you're supposed to believe. It's wonderful. I believe in this, I believe in that. Look what the Bible says, I believe this. I be it's wonderful. You're learning all the truths of the invisible world and life as it's meant to be, and you believe it, and you're excited about it, and you want to live it out. One of those truths that you encounter is what we've been talking about today, that there is a, a destiny set for your life. Well, when, that, when you become aware of that, now you're excited and you want to commit to a process of discipline to be able to fulfill your destiny. And that's when you become a disciple. The word disciple, by definition, means someone who is undergoing a process of discipline towards a purpose or a goal. And that's what should define Christians. Uh, Christians should be defined by the fact that they are fulfilling, they are living in a process that is fashioning them for the destiny to which they are called. Now, the ultimate destiny is to worship Jesus, love God, uh, be conformed to his image. But then there are other elements of that destiny. We've been talking about them today, and some we, we have to leave just to God's purposes in your life. But, but you have to allow the Spirit of God to begin to unfold those things. And we'll talk about that in, in future 15s. But I wanted to seed that in now because you need to know that to move towards a destiny is to put your life in harness, put your life in a training program, so to speak. In a sense, join the team so you can begin to learn how to win the game, to put it in sports analogy. One more thing. There's this great line that is used in uh, the book of Esther. We won't tell the whole story, but basically one person says to another, you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. That phrase, for such a time as this, lives vibrantly in the heart of everybody who understands destiny. Because you understand that your life is not an accident. You understand that your life is not just the product of all your bruising and abuse and uh, and, and that you aren't just a sexual object or you're not just going to have to live out the sexual abuse you endured when you were a child or, you know, your life is not about any other kind of programming. Your life is about the purposes of Jesus. And every day becomes a day in which you understand, I'm meant to be who I am. I'm meant to be here living at this time in this place for such a time as this. There's a reason I'm here. 
I got to tell you, I walk the streets of our cities and our nations, and I, and I see these empty faces, and I see people who seem to have no purpose. They're just trying to basically survive. And I understand, of course, the, the whole issue of money and families and all of that we have to pursue. But there's something that ignites in a human being's soul when they understand that they are living at this moment as who they are, where they are, doing the things they're doing for right now because God has ordained it and is part of an unfolding destiny that God determined from before the creation of the world. There's just no better life to live. And that is your 15.